In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. You can support this podcast at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. This week's Law and Order Marathon winner is Sarah Austin of Knoxville, Tennessee. Sarah will receive a marathon decal showing she watched 26.2 hours of her favorite crime show. To be next week's winner, sign up at lawandorderpodcast.com. I'm Kevin Flynn with Rebecca Lavoy and Vea Pashas, and these are their stories. You think you know who did it, but you don't know who did it, Law and Order. Welcome to These Are Their Stories, the podcast about Network TV's most enduring crime franchise and the real-life cases that inspired their shows. I'm Kevin Flynn. Each podcast will break down an episode from either Criminal Intent, SVU, or Original Recipe. And today we're looking at Special Victims Unit Season 8, Episode 8, Cage. What the hell was going on? Sounds like some kind of therapy session. Like rebirthing therapy. They wrap you in blankets, lie on top of you to make you feel like you're being born again. What's the point of that? Who cares? What happened to the girl? Joining me to do just that is true crime author and the host of Crime Writers On and Slate's Mom and Dad Are Fighting Podcasts, Rebecca Lavoy. Hello, Rebecca. Oh, I'm sorry. You were talking to me. I was just thinking about who would replace me as your stupid partner if I were to leave this podcast. For Just for a couple of, <laughs> couple of episodes. Somebody who's Danish, I'm sure. It's so realistic. It's so realistic. Well, if we're going to make this international, we may as well bring in our very special guest, our returning champion from the Buddy Watch podcast, Vea Pashas. Hey, Vea. Hi, Kevin. Thanks for having me back. So you were doing the Neighbors podcast, right? Yeah. Neighbors. Neighbors. Yes, Nate a pun, buzz. A pun that doesn't work in an American accent. So well done, me. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's Buddy Watch, your new project? Well, I was sick of trying to explain neighbours to people, so I just thought I'd, <laughs> <laughs> I'd start another podcast where we talked about all kinds of other TV shows. I so, see. So people would listen to it. <laughs> Have some more international appeal because we don't actually get neighbors over here in the U.S. I can send you a special link. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, let's make this legal, though. Uh, tell me, you know, what are some of the big hits that, you know, your local audience would be into? Uh, is As in our, our local productions that people are enjoying. I meant Australia. <laughs> Yes, because it's so small and local. Because it's so small. I, I just meant, I didn't want to like- What do you guys watch on TV over there, I yeah, think is what he meant. Down under? I didn't want to like go cliche. Every, whatever you guys send us. Uh, whatever we send. <laughs> Everything that rates over here is reality shows. So our version of The Bachelor and The Bachelorette and, mm-hmm. you know, so if you want to watch something good, you've got to fight for airtime between all that stuff. Now, I know you're a big fan of Barba. As a character, um, how did you mourn his departure? Uh, I'm still mourning. I'm, in fact, the episode I watched for you guys is the first epi- full episode I've watched of SVU since 
Poochie returned to his home planet. I mean, since Barbara <laughs> quit, quit the show. Oh, it makes me sad for you. <laughs> Is it under protest or? No, I just, it's been too painful. The way they wrote him out, I couldn't cope. It was very strange. It was like, we're never going to see you again. Even though it's clear he's not leaving New York, he's just leaving the job. Like, there's no reason why we would never see him again. Oh, you mean like Elliot? <laughs> why, why aren't they calling her for a little catch up? No one ever calls her ever again. <laughs> Except for Cassidy, uh, okay. who shows up at her damn door like every two years. Oh, just a booty call. <laughs> it's just a booty call. It's never the one we want to call us back, is it? <laughs> no, it is. <laughs> just ask Rebecca. Um, so, when it comes to your favorite detective team, favorite Law and Order detective team, we know the team is just Olivia Benson. Yes. But which detective do you think makes the best partner with her? I haven't found them yet. <laughs> I'm waiting. <laughs> no one's worthy? No. Thea must have hated this episode. There's no Olivia Benson. I know she was really put off. There's no Barbara. Challenging her. <laughs> this is a challenge for her. A Beckisode. I had to open uh, Marishka's Instagram just to r- remind me that she was still around. <laughs> and but it's it's a it's a shining example of what people will do for you guys. Mm, true. Yeah. Yeah, we will. Is. I will watch an SVU episode without Olivia in it for you guys. Mm. Although I might add, I don't mind when she and Rollins team up for a little bit of single moms doing it for themselves. <laughs> Action. <laughs> <laughs> Which they've been doing a lot this season in particular. So if you haven't been watching, you've been missing a lot yeah. of. Uh, they're mom. crying together. Oh my God, they're and hugging. Oh. There's so much fucking estrogen in that <laughs> squad room. I mean, shared babysitting makes very good economical sense. So well done. Like. Yeah. Yeah. And then we find out Ice T never had a bagel. Yeah. Well. You know, it's get like, over it, white people. But I'm just saying, it's like 19 years on set, craft services. Yeah. It's like all that time he just went. I'm just going to go for the fruit? Come on. <laughs> you didn't even know that like cherries were a thing that didn't come in a jar. What are you talking about? Uh, that's true. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> now let's look at the first half of this episode, SVU Season 8, Episode 8, Cage. We see a van called the MacGuffin Mystery Machine <laughs> with two kids named Shaggy and Scooby handcuffed in the back seat. The van swerves into the river because it's an island and water is everywhere. The kids are named Eden and Mark. They were rescued, but the man and the woman who were driving the van got away. The children may have been involved in some kind of crime, but who are they? Hmm. We know anything more about the kids. No girls named Eden in Albany school system, and all boys Mark's age and race are accounted for. Two children nobody knows handcuffed and driven over 100 miles in the middle of the night. What's going on? Maybe child porn. Prostitution. Little girls say anything about that? No, but maybe she's too traumatized. Elliot is working the case with his temporary partner and work crush, Danny Beck, because Olivia has had enough of his shit and is totally not hiding Mariska's baby bump over in computer crimes. (laughs) Eden says her sister Rose is still out there somewhere. Meantime, maladjusted Mark jumps over the table at Wong and then stabs Elliot in the chest with a ballpoint pen. It's about time someone did. (laughs) Well done, Mark. (laughs) After finding the driver and getting the lead on his female passenger, Finn and Munch check out a sketch house and find 
a teddy bear inside. Mm. This is definitely the center of a loosely connected underground child smuggling operation. 100%. (laughs) Among the evidence they discover is a broken cassette that the crime techs probably fix by putting a pencil in the spoke and turning it (laughs) until the tape goes back inside, (laughs) like we all did in high school. Uh, When they play the tape back, they hear a rebirthing session in which several adults are holding down a girl and accidentally smother her to death. Hmm. They check the backyard of that house and find a freshly buried child. Okay, so we'll start off- Freshly buried (laughs) child. That's like really gross the way you describe that. Well, it was recently buried. (laughs) She was in Tupperware. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> she, was she was still fresh. Oh, Jesus. She was definitely still fresh. One of the first clues to the identity of the driver was a toupee. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Do you think they were to go around New York like Cinderella, trying it on bald guys and saying, you're our, you're a man? I loved when they went to his mother's house to look for him. He is not here. Nobody is here. Frank, that's pathetic. How'd he get in there? Give it up, Mom. And it seems like she hates him. (laughs) And it's hilarious. And you're like, A, she hates him. B, she knows her rights. And those two things are both awesome. But then C, he's also hiding in her laundry closet, which kind of belies the first two things. And that was a disappointment for me. It was a comedy reveal because then brooms tumbled out with humorous sound effects. (laughs) (laughs) Like Fibber McGee and Molly's. Oh, no. Let's just skip right ahead to the best part of this first half, which is the fight. When the little kid has had just enough of Wong's fucking shit, mm. and then it's on. <laughs> you're angry, Mark. Can you tell me why you're Shut angry? Shut up! I do love Mark. I love Mark for uh, many reasons. The first of which is that... He doesn't speak English, just French. He catches on to Elliot's bullshit right away. It's like, you know... um, Little Eden is talking to Danny because Danny's a nice person. Mark is like, I can tell that dude Elliot's a prick. I am not going to talk to him. So (laughs) points one for Mark there. Points two for Mark. He also calls Wong on his bullshit because Wong does this weird thing where he's like, I'm going to draw a house. And then he's like, I bet you can do an even better house. Oh, also, why don't you draw some people who are in that house? I'm like, way to push it, Wong. Like, let him draw the fucking house first. Yeah, I think it's already been established (laughs) this kid doesn't speak English. (laughs) Except he only knows the word shut up. And that that was enough for Beck to bust out some French. Just She immediately picked up the exact European country, the, the dialect he was speaking. Yeah, she obviously was interrogating the wrong child. That's right. She's so international. So she's an international woman of mystery. Then incredibly, this kid fires a pen right into Stabler's pectoral muscle. Mm. So deep that it stays in like it's an inkwell. Yes, and just like they tell you to do in first aid, Beck goes over and rips that shit right out of his body. Yes. Which I, I, I legit don't think you're supposed to. I think you're supposed to leave it. Yeah. Go otherwise... to the emergency room and let the actual doctors pull it out. Otherwise it'll spurt. <laughs> but how are we going to get his shirt off otherwise? <laughs> Why not just cut it? It's already ruined. It's true. He does love taking off that shirt. Loves it. Now, I want to talk about Danny Beck in the second half of our podcast, but we then jump to the scene. Um, of course, after Wong you know, somehow had latex gloves and was putting hydrogen peroxide yes, on, on Wong was doing his, the first aid. It was very impressive. Little wound. It's almost like he was a doctor for a minute. Yes. 
<laughs> also, that scene would have birthed a thousand fan fictions right there. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> now let me take the soap and wash it down. Oh, well, oh yeah. <laughs> well, then they they go to uh, here's the real Sparks. I guess they go to the hospital and uh, Stabler's just fixed up in the emergency room, and he and Danny hold hands just for a moment. That's right. I couldn't have stayed so calm. Yeah, you could. You know the right thing to do. Just because you know what's right doesn't mean you do it. Elliot, I... Thank you, Doctor. Elliot? Don Cragen called and said he'd been stabbed. It was a kid with a pen. <laughs> and then they break when Kathleen comes in to cockblock him. God forbid Kathleen should walk in with all of those fucking stabler kids and ruin the mood <laughs> in the fluorescent lit treatment room of some shitty New York hospital. God forbid. God forbid, because you know that, you know that mood was hot. Super hot, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> they, I don't know about you, but like when I go to the hospital and I smell all that rubbing alcohol, it's like, swing. Yes, you want to start sexy whispering to your coworker. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a Kathleen has that stupid, dumb, dad got stabbed joke. She did. She made like a stupid, dumb, like, it took you getting stabbed for us, whatever it was. It was yeah. stupid, and it made you realize why he would want to leave his stupid family yeah. for this European lady who's also super boring. A kid stabbed you. You were probably yelling at him because he didn't do his homework. Or it was an extremely traumatic situation, Kathleen. That's right. That's right. It's one of those two. <laughs> and you, I love how Kathleen was like, where's Olivia? And she and whatever, Mrs. Stabler were bemoaning the fact that um, Olivia wasn't there. Only in this world does Marishka have to be replaced by a freaking literal Amazon for the family to want her back. <laughs> with a really smooth accent. Nobody else would want Marishka back with, to work with their husband. That's right. It's, it's like, oh, I do we dodged a sexual bullet here. That's right. That's right. We see two actresses before they were famous. Mm. Before they were famous. Vea, can you name the child actress who is playing little girl Eden? Of course, because she's one of my favorites, the superior Fanning, Miss L. Fanning. <laughs> L. Fanning, sister to the lesser Dakota Fanning. <laughs> the, yes. She's the greater Fanning. <laughs> she's the greater Fanning. Uh, yeah, even though she's younger, she did get taller than Dakota, so she that kind of sucked. Can I live with you? I don't think that's possible. Why not? Don't you like me? Of course I like you. Have too many children already. I don't have any. That's sad. Uh, she had a lot of youth roles, like in uh, Win Dixie, and she later played Aurora, who was Sleeping Beauty in the the live action Maleficent. Mm -hmm. And sidebar, one of my favorite movies of all time because I have Tourette syndrome. You can't tell because you can't hear my ticks because you'll probably cut them out. But she played <laughs> a little girl with Tourette syndrome in Phoebe in Wonderland, and maybe about when she was about 10 years old, hands down the best portrayal of someone with Tourette's I've ever seen. What made it so good? Just, she just really, it wasn't a caricature of someone with Tourette's because those ticks are often used as punchlines and she was just had mm -hmm. a really earnest, emotional, true performance. And yeah, I really, you really understood the, the frustration of living with something like that when you don't really even know what it is. And we also have another actress that we see essentially before she was famous. Yep. Who is playing attorney Donna Emmett? That would be Miss Viola Davis. Yeah. The witness has made an extraordinary claim that a child can terrorize two adults. The jury should be given a chance to understand why. She's had eight Law & Order franchise appearances, seven on SVU. 
So, you know, she made it big with roles in Doubt and The Help. And, of course, ABC's Getting Away with Murder. She's had a, a ton of one-off roles, but she didn't make it big in Hollywood until she was in her 40s, which I think is really surprising considering she's a woman of color and at that age. I mean, it really sort of – we know that it's sort of the, the, the odds are stacked against women of that age in Hollywood. And so the fact that she started to really find her success then I think is quite something. Gives me a lot of hope. I, um, maybe I can still make it big. I can head over there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's interesting. I was just reading a story about uh, Viola Davis, an interview with her. She's a Juilliard-trained actress, classically mm-hmm. trained actress, who, like a lot of actresses of color, played maids and parts like that for most of her career, but she always worked because there were plenty of shitty parts out there for women of color uh, for many, many years. And I think it's ironic and wonderful that her breakout role, for which she became a household name, was as a maid in a movie which I have I do not think has aged well, but that it launched her into this whole second career where she can literally now do anything she wants to do. I think it's really wonderful. I think her story is really inspiring. What didn't age well? The Help. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I yeah, think that great. I awkwardness, it, yeah. I don't think it aged well from the beginning of the movie to the end of the movie. I'm not saying it didn't I age well I think it well achieved like... the, uh, <laughs> the effect that it was going to achieve, which was to sort of shine a light on racism. In which a white person plays the hero. It is the very typical Hollywood racism oh, movie all right. treatment. <laughs> all right. I'll take, I'll take the L on that one. <laughs> we do have, let's see, a Hey, It's That Guy. Hey, it's that guy. Can you name who played Dr. Arlen Reef? Oh, I couldn't. I just thought it was another character actor. <laughs> Someone you recognize? He is another character actor, and I... Oh, oh, it's, um... This therapy is only used in extreme circumstances, but that does not mean it's dangerous, if properly conducted. Oh, oh, it's, um... Uh, it's Ken, Ken something? It's Ken Howard, Ken, the white yeah, shadow that's himself. Right, the white shadow, that's right, that's right, what, that's right, yes. What's that? <laughs> the White Shadow was a, a drama in the early '80s. I think '70s. Where he maybe. played he played a uh, basketball coach at a high school, an all black high school. All black, yeah. And so he was the White Shadow, like Dangerous Minds. Yeah, basically. Yes, basically, it was a lot of him uh, coaching, and then like these shots of all the guys in like the group shower, yeah, like having their banter right. and soaping up. Yes. It was basically like the help. That probably hasn't aged very well either. <laughs> Just it calling was, it the white shadow. But I'm going to look that up, though. <laughs> it was like the help, but with basketball. Exactly. <laughs> well, he, uh, he played the father of a Law & Order alum in a television series. Any guess who we're talking about? He played the father of a Law & Order alum in a television series. Oh. No. Tell me. Tell us. He played Lieutenant Max Cavanaugh, mm-hmm. father to Jill Hennessy in Crossing Jordan. Oh, nobody watched that stupid no. show. Well, that's why it's not on, Rebecca. <laughs> no, people did. It was actually on for quite a while. <laughs> but, like, I did not watch it, for sure. We got that over here, but I think it was between two other shows that I preferred to watch. <laughs> <laughs> it was the padding show. This is yeah. Pain, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Ken Howard also played Thomas Jefferson in the movie musical 1776, mm. long before Lin-Manuel said, fuck that shit. <laughs> And we also have a Hey, It's That Girl. Mm-hmm. Hey, it's that girl. You like the new female singers? I do like the new female right. singers. They're, they're much, they're a tiny bit more in tune than the previous female singers. <laughs> Can you name the actress who plays Rita? Yes, because my boyfriend was excited to see her when he walked past. Uh-huh. Margot 
and I've forgotten her last name, but he recognised her from all the other stuff she'd done. That's right. Margot Martindale. Martindale. From yes. the Americans. My, my husband's going to be here any minute. Now, you're going you're gonna to have to wait. No, this is really against the rules. Oh, my God. Yeah, she didn't get... She's another one who... She's a total hey, it's that lady. A to, total hey, it's that lady. She didn't get any really major roles on screen until she was in her 50s. Yeah, good for her. She good broke you, out Margo. as mags and justified, and then... She's been in, I think, every. She was great in Justified. She was. And then, uh, she's been in a lot of different stuff. She's awesome in The Americans. Yeah. So scary, and then so nice, and then so scary again. She was back and forth. You never know what you're going to get. That's the dream level of fame in the US. Famous enough so people go, oh, yeah, you. But not famous enough that your privacy's ever invaded. That's <laughs> <laughs> right. So, Kevin, I have a question about the first half of this episode. All right. Why can't Danny do a fucking thing that Craig tells her to do? <laughs> first, you checked on your partner. Then you check the kids. When exactly did you plan on doing what I told you? I'm sorry. I'll get over there now. It's too late. Did they find anything? If you'd been there, you'd know. Why does she have to literally, like, and it's not even she's like. She's following Stabler's lead, yeah, obviously. But it's not even like the kind of situation where, uh, you know, you know she's supposed to be doing something, but then something happens, and so then you see her make the decision, and you're like, oh, I, I would do the same thing. It's like literally cut to the scene where she's doing the exact opposite of what he told her to do. Go home and get some sleep. Cut to the scene. She's at the hospital or whatever. It's like, <laughs> what are you doing? Danny, just listen for five minutes. Just listen. You, you have a commanding officer. Follow don't, orders. Don't make out with your partner. Oh. <laughs> but. They have to show that her feelings are her downfall. She's got too oh, many right. pe- feelings about humans to make it in this. Too place. many emotions. Oh too yeah. Too many lady feelings. Too many lady feelings. <laughs> and of course, she's the one that bonds with the child. Of course, she. Yeah, is. a little too much, and we'll get to that at the yeah. end here. Uh, so, look, there's a lot of getting into doors that they really shouldn't. You touched on this earlier. First, they get into uh, the house of the mother with the vi- with the van driver. Yep. Finn, who wants Finn, his van back, by the way? Yeah. His kidnap van. Like, who would want that van back? Sorry. It's been in the <laughs> river. We, they pr- Nothing good happens in a white van. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, they try to argue, they're going to try to argue exigent circumstances. Like, I think I hear someone inside. Don't worry, ma'am. We'll protect you. Hey, hey. Who says you can come in? And then they do kind of the same thing when they go that that sketchy house. Obviously, we're clearly supposed to be entertained by their ingenuity and not the Constitution. That's right. And that house, you mean the toilet where the roaches are trying to check out? That one? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Where they obviously know because they find one ratty teddy bear, there have been kids here. That was very presumptuous, I found. I know an adult who still sleeps with her childhood teddy. Yeah, that's right. There could have been an insecure woman living here. It could have been a dog toy, for God's sakes. Bad cop work. You don't... You don't know. Yeah. I would love to, like, uh, when they phone that one in. We need every crime technician down here. We found a teddy bear. Yes, with a it missing eye. It doesn't look good. Eye. Yeah, with a missing eye. See if you can track down the eye. Bring in the dogs. And just another moment of presumption from Munch in an earlier scene where he said, a wet woman with one shoe probably wouldn't want to take the subway. Why not, Munch? <laughs> She's thrifty. <laughs> Have you ever been in the subway? Clearly not. <laughs> also, they're able to get a phone tap on the disgraced adoption industry executive's phone. His name is Ignatius Perry. He's a dick. Why were they able to get this tap? Because Danny knows someone at the phone company. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Have you seen Danny? Of course she got that connection. (laughs) (laughs) Here they come. You better call your guy from the phone company. Yeah, Danny here. You set up on his phone? The number is 718 
555-0143. All my business. Danny's like, I think this is a Scandinavian noir thing where cops just do whatever they want. But wait, it's not. It's actually just Law & Order SVU. (laughs) (laughs) In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. Now let's take a look at the second half of this episode. Eight-year-old Eden identifies the dead girl as her sister, which she seems to take very well. <laughs> the rebirthing therapy is the specialty of Dr. Arlen Reef, who says he was only on the speakerphone. I am not responsible for what happened. You treated a girl without even seeing her. You allowed a couple of freaks to suffocate her while she begged for mercy? I never heard that. I was only on the phone for 10 minutes. I gave clear instructions. I even insisted they tape the session to ensure it would be done appropriately. It wasn't. She's dead. Dr. Reef says the two adults in the room were Rita and Bud Gabler. Elliot and Danny drive upstate to the Gabler's place where they're taking care of many special needs foster kids. All of them say they're treated wonderfully until they find one kid locked in a hamster cage in the barn. Mm. Seems like a slam dunk case for Novak, but the tape is inadmissible and none of the kids will snitch on their abusive foster parents. But if you want to get away with murder, who else to call but Viola fucking Davis? (laughs) She says it was the violent kids that were terrorizing them, not the other way around. Eden's the one who finally tells them how they made the kid in the wheelchair crawl on the floor and eat his barf, and how they doused her with the hose for not cleaning her plate. Eden doesn't want to stay in a juvenile detention center, and so she asks if she can sleep at Danny's place. What could possibly go wrong? Because in New York, you can check foster kids out of the system, take them home like library books. (laughs) After going to bed, Danny is awakened by Eden, who just set fire to the couch in hopes of killing them both. Using a really shitty fire extinguisher, she's able to put out the flames. Elliot tries to comfort her, but Danny realizes she can't fix these special victims and walks out of his life forever. Womp, womp. Womp, womp. So how creepy was it when Eden identified her sister? That's Rosemary. You sure, Eden? She's my sister. Okay, Melinda. Wait. I want to look. She asked to look at her again which I have never seen anyone do in a body identification scene in any crime procedural ever, that was the moment where that kid would have been fucking disqualified from coming home and sleeping in my apartment. (laughs) (laughs) You could tell she's really close with Dakota. Show me my dead sister again, please. What did they put on? What movie did they put on so you could see her her sister? I am Sam. I am Sam. There you go. Oh, yes. So why are those people recording this rebirthing thing? No idea. So we could hear it. So we could hear it, yes. Turn it off. It's not over yet. And they very uh, considerately narrated uh, a lot of the action that we couldn't see. 
Like, she's been sick all over herself. That's very helpful exegesis for the listener. (laughs) (laughs) It's like radio. Um, So if the idea of that that thing is to create a new bond between mother and adopted child, why the fuck does this psycho woman care? That's true because they don't need, like it's not like they want to have bonds with these kids. Yeah, they're putting them in cages for God's sakes and making them eat their own vomit. Like it, it does, it does seem out of character. That's for sure. I did have some questions about the business plan of Bud and Rita here. I mean, I sure I get it. <laughs> like you're getting eight thousand dollars a month for free for just having some kids in your house, but then why do you have to um be, make a house of horrors for them? Right, you can just do the first part of the plan and have them there. <laughs> Hire a babysitter without all that cheese. There's a lot of land there. I mean, they could just go Lord of the Flies and just you know run around, whatever you want to, roll around, whatever you want to do. Just come back at six o'clock. There'll be shepherd's pie, and you'll be good. Now, Diane Neal couldn't win her bid for New York's 14th congressional <laughs> district. Losing congresswoman. No. It's a wonder Casey Novak ever wins a case. There's no proof that it's a full and accurate account of what happened. I mean, the defense can say that in the missing sections, a spaceship landed and aliens squashed the girl with a giant pumpkin. There's no direct evidentiary link between the rose on the tape and the girl found buried in the backyard. Okay, Casey, you got to fight this. I already fought. I lost. She looks great in this episode, though. That's all I got to say. Except that I was still barracking for future Oscar winner Viola Davis. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, come on, defense. Yeah, well, look at This is the case they give Novak. They find a kid in a cage mm-hmm. and an audio tape of them smothering the child they buried in the backyard, and it's like, well, they're going to argue the grade school kids did it. I don't know what to say. Tape is inadmissible because it was edited. Yeah, because aliens could have come down. Exactly, but in the person technically who like broke the thing in half and threw it in the trash, isn't that the editor of the tape? Just saying. <laughs> Could be. Could be. Is that how you edit this podcast? <laughs> yes. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> you just stand on it a few times and sticky tape it back together. <laughs> <laughs> so now this is the end of Mariska's maternity leave. Yep. And so for eight episodes of this season, we've had Connie Nielsen as Danny Beck. Only eight? It seems like way more than that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Now, she and Stabler made out in the episode previous to this. Did they just make out or did they do more? They made out. It was a cheeky pash, as we call it over Mm. here. We call it French kissing. Yeah. (laughs) That was open mouth. (laughs) And they ignored three phone calls. And then finally on like the fourth phone call, they're like, okay, better stop making out. (laughs) (laughs) I have to stop. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so they they had that make out. Uh, they didn't bring it any, f- take it any further, mm-hmm. as far as we know. We know, yeah. Mm-hmm. So they tell me what they were trying to do with this character on screen and with this relationship. I'm sure studies have been done. So, uh, <laughs> as a non-expert, I'll just observe that I think they were role playing what it might be like if he hooked up with his partner, or he was mm-hmm. Elliot thought, and because he was on hiatus from his marriage at this point. So I always thought it was a wasted opportunity that they didn't at least get Beckett, uh, Beckett that's my cat, um, Benson in <sighs> for a sneaky pash just to mm. test the uh-huh. waters. So they were kind of, I think, playing it out with a different lady and supposed to show us that, no, no, if they get together, it would ruin the partnership. But I didn't believe them. I don't think that's a theory. I think that's exactly what they were doing. They were trying to do that thing where it was like, First of all, the fact that he and his wife were on a break during uh, Olivia's absence is hilarious <laughs> and super convenient mm-hmm. because you know 
Elliot would have immediately knocked on her door at two in the morning and been like, Liv, can we talk? And, <laughs> right? and she would have broken her cover. Deep undercover. Yeah. She's like, gotta go, stable single, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, and we will actually talk about, uh, in an in a upcoming episode, about the episode from the end of the previous season where she leaves right. on her maternity. And, and they sort of set up, like, what is going on for this these series of episodes where we're not going to have any Mariska. And I think that for these eight episodes, I think one of the things the writers were trying to do is to, in some way, get the audience invested in this temporary character because we know that she's just there for a couple of episodes why do we care at all about her Hmm. or how she's going to get along with Elliot Hmm. and I think by making this you know a much more explicit smoldering getting to have a sneaky nosh I don't know what you're calling it uh pash like my name a pash (laughs) oh oh okay sneaky pash uh then I think that's what they were I think that's what the writers were trying to do. They were trying to like somehow make Danny Beck valuable. So why would they hire an actress with an accent who told which by the way, there's nothing wrong with having an accent except that you yeah, tell they about you that find yourself asking the question all the time, like how did this person become a New York City cop? And it's never yes. really kind of explained. And it's like she's also really tall in a way that like doesn't look good with Elliot. Like they just don't <laughs> physically kind of they have no actual chemistry it's not like I see them on screen and I'm like oh I could imagine them doing I can't I actually can't imagine them doing it it would have been a nice opportunity to introduce the American audience to some Danish culture (laughs) (laughs) another country exists (laughs) color it in on your maps everybody (laughs) (laughs) it'd be like is did you guys bring us IKEA or <laughs> is that one of the other ones? That was Sweden. Same thing. No. Wait, is that Volvo's? You guys? No. The pastries. No. The pastries. Did you bring Danish? Because iced tea is not having the uh, the bagels. <laughs> the pastries. Absolutely. I will say that Danny is pretty unlucky. Yes. Be- <laughs> you think? Well, I, I, mean, I mean, part of it is her choice. Her choice. <laughs> First, uh, she's in an apartment with no working smoke detectors. Right. Because the fire would never get like that without it going off and her waking up. No, I can't make toast. I can't fry an egg without (laughs) mine alerting the neighbors. Yeah, and it's like bonfire. We can't Uh, make a damn grilled cheese. Yeah. (laughs) And apparently she's the only one in America who doesn't have a flame-retardant couch. Yes. And she isn't able to tell that her uh, wannabe adopted daughter looks exactly like Drew Barrymore in Firestarter. Oh, yeah. Especially that one shot. Come on. Turn yeah. looking at the fire. Yes. So derivative. So derivative. Yes. I would have said, hold on, Eden, let me grab my phone because this is going to be an amazing Instagram shot right now. <laughs> <laughs> no filter. I'm going to Photoshop the title over it. It's going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, Danny's fire extinguishers from the 1970s, mm. and it takes her like two Let's minutes. Be real. Our fire extinguishers probably also from the 1970s. I don't want to like throw shade on a shitty under the sink fire extinguisher. If you saw what we had up there, you would not be impressed any firemen listening to this podcast. Definitely not. But she uh, notices that uh, Will Eden is trying to walk into the fire that she set. Yes. And, and kill herself. Oh, 
of all, I think it's actually a very dramatic scene, uh, all kidding aside. And, um, you know, to hear an eight-year-old girl scream that she wants to die in this very dramatic way, I thought was powerful. It's the power of the fanning right in that moment. Her yeah. screaming, let the greater me die, fanning. and it chills you to your bones. Yeah. Mm. So she wanted to go to her apartment to do this, is what we're supposed to understand? After yeah. basically asking to live with her the whole episode and Danny being like, no, I can't even get a dog because I am never home. And then it was like, I'm sorry, that was terrible. That was just my impression, not of a Danish accent, but of an accent that is incongruous with the sweep? texture of the thing you're listening a to. Sweep. Like, 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 I didn't sound like I fit there for a, a second, right? Sweep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Bert. <laughs> All right, <I> Mary. <laughs> I don't think this was her plan all along. <laughs> you don't? She called an audible. And- I don't think this was her plan all along. Yeah. Olivia would have um, locked that down. Those adoption papers would have been signed before, <laughs> oh, the, before the fire extinguisher like, came it's out. It's just a little fire. She we, can move, we, can, we can move on from it. You're here now. If it were Olivia Benson, it would have been her asking the little girl to live with her the whole time. <laughs> like, please. Please, I want a child so badly. Can you please come live with me? I don't have a hose. <laughs> So at the end of this incident, uh, you know, Beck is joined by Elliot and she's all upset because she can't fix everybody and she she, can't she leaves it. Elliot and the show. How do you keep doing this job? Because I have to. Why? We don't make a difference. Danny, you can do this. Are you asking me to stay? Danny, I can't. You've got to be here for yourself, not for me. She asks him to ask her to stay. And, um, and she says, how do you keep doing this job? And he pretty much says, well, my partners are always babes. So. <laughs> it pays the bills. I love this idea that, like, if he asks her to stay, all of a sudden the job is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> what? You're still going to be dealing with dead kids and rapes. Sorry. Nothing's going to change yeah. there, kiddo. Yeah. Like, I don't want to be stabbed yep. with pens. <laughs> She's got too many feelings for SVU, uh, but she can't control them like Benson can. That's so. right. That's right. Yeah. She might have to start a fire. And ironically, it's always Elliot who's like, oh. Like he's the one who can never take it, right? Like mm-hmm. he's the one who every case is like about. It's really about Maureen, <laughs> <Whatever>. <laughs> little Dicky. <laughs> when I get home, I want to wrap Dicky in a blanket and have him be rebirthed. Oh God! Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. Let's take a look at the real-life story that inspired this episode. It's time for Ripped from the Headlines. You think you know who did it. You think you know who did it. But you don't know who did it. You don't know who did it. Ripped from the Headlines. 
The inspiration for this episode is the tragic death of 10-year-old Candice Newmaker during a rebirthing session in 2000. After growing up in an abusive home, Candice was adopted by a single mother in Durham, North Carolina, Jean Newmaker. Jean Newmaker brought her daughter to therapy when she began showing signs of antisocial behaviour. Therapist Connell Watkins wanted to treat Candice's behaviour with a rebirth, believing it would allow the girl to properly attach to her adopted mother. The exercise calls for the child to be wrapped in a sheet, covered with pillows and held down by several adults. The struggle to get out of the sheet would symbolise her passage through the birth canal. For 40 minutes, Candice wiggled and begged to be let out, but Watkins, Newmaker and the others told her not to quit. The child vomited and soiled the blankets. Even after she'd stopped moving, the adults held her for another 20 minutes before discovering she'd become unresponsive. Candice died in hospital the next day. For her role in the death of her daughter, Jean Newmaker received a four-year suspended sentence. Connell Watkins was sentenced to 16 years, but was released from prison in June 2008. So, rebirthing therapy. Bullshit or horseshit? <laughs> Sounds like a little bit of both, actually. <laughs> you know, I've heard of that whole, like, hugging therapy thing when you have... Um, you know, sometimes with parents of adopted kids or parents maybe oppositional of, or yeah, and then they and you like yeah. hold them and mm -hmm. basically like you know let them fight you, but you're just hugging them and basically telling them like you can't do anything to me that will make me stop loving you. Mm -hmm. This does not sound like that. No, this sounds a little this sounds crazy. Like, this sounds like an exorcism. I just kept confusing it with those reborn baby dolls, which also <laughs> sound bullshit. Like those people what? that carry they carry around baby dolls because as to, as that a looks placeholder. Super real. For a real baby, oh. I, get, I kept getting confused with that. That's so weird. Can you get that doll to like look like you? Like yes. an American Girl doll. Have they... you not mm -hmm. seen those baby dolls that look like real babies? People put in strollers. They buy gear for it and everything. Adults do this, and <laughs> they they go on YouTube yeah. and talk about their like nursery setup for their baby doll. Oh, the wrong person is getting smothered. I think. <laughs> <laughs> so in this this incident with um. Candice. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Sai is in, is in Portugal, so I think maybe he thought she was Portuguese. Um, there there were four adults who weighed 650 pounds sitting on top of a 70-pound girl. No, not each. Oh, okay, a total. A total of okay. Just checking. My God, it'd be like uh, two be tons of extra fun. Bad, yeah. Extra bad, yes. And they, they videotaped the whole session. Why? Uh, well... I think to make it easier for the police, but uh, it was part of the therapy. Apparently, she had been there at this special place for like a week getting all sorts of different kinds of intensive therapies because Candace apparently was showing signs of antisocial behavior and, you know, she was... Um, troubled? Troubled, yeah. Not unlike the fictional kids. Right. You know, their, their excuses, we did this because, you know, they were violent. Uh, so this was one of them. So they, they they videotaped the whole thing so we know exactly how long everything that they did lasted. Now, once Candace stopped moving, uh, they berated her by saying, this is a quote, quitter, 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 quit, 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 quit. She's a quitter. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Direct you know what? Uh, you know what would have been better. That's a direct quote. Would have yeah. been better with some like I don't know CPR. That probably would have been a better. Oh no! This is while she just stopped moving inside oh, the God. burrito blanket God. when they unwrapped. I thought she was playing a joke on them. It's like yeah, funny that joke, she guys. just gave up. She was too tired. And she come on, you gotta get, you gotta, 
it builds character to fight your way through. Like, who would think somebody would love you after you did this to I, them? I don't know. So that when they when they finally unwrapped the blankets and uh, she wasn't moving, the doctor who was there said, "Oh, there she is, sleeping in her vomit." Oh my god! And then that's when the mother realizes something is wrong. These people were fucking bananas. They were bananas. They were really committed to this process, though, right? I mean, like they didn't stop when it didn't seem to be going well. Yeah, they think uh, this. Did this ever work on anybody? I don't know. I mean, was there ever a case I mean, where the doctor was able to be like, "Just wait, I had the same thing happen last week, and now the kid is awesome and getting straight A's." <laughs> this is insane. I think. Look, if if the theory is, you go through this uh, experience of fighting your way through the birth canal, and that will make you bond. Uh, that presupposes that what makes a child bond to their mother is a vaginal delivery. That's right. And so, it's that part, and it doesn't have anything to do everybody with Everybody with a C-section comfort- ever, obviously, is going to have like a psychopath child, right? <laughs> I mean, isn't that, they, isn't that kind of what they're saying then? Yes, although I don't want to know the process for a re-C-section. How do they do that? <laughs> they cut him out of the blanket. Jesus, that would have been better. That would have been a lot better. Pull him right out. Ah, I rescued you. Hey, that's going to do it for us. We want to thank our guest, Vea Pashas. Where can our listeners follow you online, Vea? Vea Pashas on Twitter or NeighborsPod.com for links to Neighbors or BuddyWatchPod on all the socials. I'll explain any Australian reference you'd like me to. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to need it. Bob's your uncle. Um, (laughs) Hey, Rebecca Lavoie, how can our listeners follow you? Uh, You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Reb Lavoie. And you can track me on Twitter at Kevin P. Flynn. You can also tweet to us at Law & Order Pod or follow us on Instagram at These Are The Stories Podcast. Our newsreader was Cy Freider. Our theme music was composed and performed by Uncanny Valleys. To get ad-free episodes of These Are The Stories a week early, sign up for Stitcher Premium. Get your first month free at stitcherpremium.com slash crime. All clips in this podcast were used in compliance with the U.S. Copyrights Act fair use exemption for criticism and commentary. If you want to know what episodes we're talking about in our upcoming shows, go to lawandorderpodcast.com. Sign up for our newsletter for a chance to be our next Law & Order Marathon winner. These Are Their Stories was recorded in the Yoga Loft above the Bodega in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi studio and is a production of Partners in Crime Media. Partners in Crime Media. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support so you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.